Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Build your network. Episode 75. Hey, this is Bob McIntosh, author of the book, Get Out of Your Own Way. And if you want to maximize your income potential, you should be listening to Build Your Network with my good friend, Travis Chappell. You have the ambition, the knowledge, and the experience, but still lack those relationships necessary for achieving true success. Welcome to Build Your Network, your guide to growing your inner circle, increasing your influence, and assisting others in reaching their goals. This is networking the way it should be, brought to you by your host, Travis Chappell. What is up and welcome to the one and only show that brings you tips and tricks on networking from the best experts around three days a week. Although they may not all be in the same field, every guest that comes on the show has one very important thing in common. They believe, as I do, that building relationships is crucial to achieving success in life. I cannot wait to introduce you to today's guest, but first, Build Your Network is supported by CastBox, the fastest-growing, highest-rated podcast app on iOS and Android. CastBox has over 50 million free episodes that more than 10 million users download and listen to wherever, whenever. And now for all Build Your Network listeners, once you've downloaded the CastBox app, click Go Premium and enter promo code 90DAYS to get three free months of premium features. Head on over to the App Store or Google Play Store to download CastBox now. And now let's go ahead and chat with today's guest, Bob 
McIntosh. Bob is a national speaker and entrepreneur, having spent over 2,500 hours on stages and helped more than 7,000 people across the U.S. He's a number one Amazon best-selling author and has been personally responsible for helping thousands of entrepreneurs generate millions in profits. He's been featured on over 30 podcasts, is a founding member of the Forbes Real Estate Council, providing direction and information in the real estate space for all of Forbes readers. He's been published on ABC, CBS, Fox, NBC, Yahoo News, Small Business, Trendsetters, The Money Show, The Miami Herald, and Wall Street Select. Bob, thanks so much for coming to the show today, man. Really excited to have you. Why don't you go ahead and expound a tad on that intro and tell us more about yourself. Hey, Travis. Thank you for having me on and for all of you guys listening. Really appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to Travis's podcast and join in. Uh, excited to be here. Yeah, so like it says, right, done a lot of speaking. My first business foray was really into real estate, and that's still one of my core businesses, which is basically flipping houses in Buffalo, New York, where I am right now in the cold tundra and frozen snow scape mm. of Buffalo. But yeah, so it started there and really just kind of got lucky yeah. in terms of popping up on stage. I know we talked a little bit about that beforehand, but mm -hmm. being able to get up on a stage and find my calling, which is really just to help people grow their business. And the funny part about that is I met a lady a long time ago, back when I first got the idea for the book, and she had been in business for seven months and still hadn't launched her website because her logo wasn't perfect. And it blew my mind. I was wow. like, I was like, how, how is that even possible? Yeah. And then I started realizing that she wasn't the only one. And I started trying, drawing some similarities between the people that I were seeing that were struggling and some of the things that I had done and broken through. And so that was really the spawning for my book, as well as some of my success in the real estate business as well. Yeah, so let's talk about your book for a second. So it's Get Out of Your Own Ways, number one Amazon bestseller. Can you give us like just one or two key takeaways? Like if somebody's reading through that book, what would be like the number one thing that you'd want them to take away from that? Yeah, so the biggest thing that the book tries to accomplish for any person reading it is just to help you realize that you are your number one worst enemy as an entrepreneur. All too often, entrepreneurs are perfectionists, and that's why we become entrepreneurs, because things aren't perfect in our lives, and we want something better, and we know we can do it ourselves to make it better. But that same thing that pushes us to become an entrepreneur is a thing that generally holds us back and keeps us operating as a technician in our business and basically creating a job for ourselves. And so you gotta you gotta let go and realize that for most of us, and by the way, I am 100% guilty of this too, which is part of the reason why I wrote the book, yeah. is that we've gotta get out of our own way and let the business do what it needs to do sometimes. And we're the ones holding it back even though we want it to grow. Yeah. Yeah. That's so much important, important stuff. Like what you're saying about waiting six, seven months to put out a website because the logo is not too perfect or something. And it's just ridiculous. Sometimes the kind of stories that we tell ourselves in order to keep ourselves from reaching the potential that we know we are capable of, <laughs> you know, oh, uh, so much, it's, so much. Yeah. Have you found since you wrote the book, obviously it was, some, it was a topic that you were thinking about a lot since you've written that, have you found some confirmation bias, like going towards different viewpoints in life? Like, are you just starting to see this happen way more often after you wrote the book? In terms of me getting in my own way or getting out of my own way? In terms of seeing other people do that. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, once you kind of realize it, so, you know, they always talk about the best way to learn something is to teach it. Mm -hmm. Well, having written a book on all the ways that we tend to get in our own way and yeah. how we can undo that, I still see it all day long, every day. And this is why I believe that this book is 
I think the the perfect starting point for pretty much every entrepreneur because there's there's not many entrepreneurs that I've met out there ever that just come hot out the gate mm-hmm. making everything amazing and know exactly how to do it especially when they're just getting started if they've done business before then maybe less so because they've already got the experience behind them but I see this all the time in Every stage I'm on, every business owner that I talk to, if I look at an average crowd, I'd be willing to bet no less than 60 to 65% of them are struggling in some way of getting in their own way, if not more. I'd probably argue that's higher, but it's definitely that much at least. Wow. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Let's talk about the real estate flipping business here, Bob, because I know a lot of the people listening to the show, this is something that if they are not currently doing it, they have a high interest in getting involved. And this is something that I ask most people that are heavy invested into real estate, because I think it's an important thing to bring out. When you first started, did you just have just buku loads of cash to start flipping with? Or did you have to get a little bit creative? <laughs> that is a great question, actually. And the answer is, I was broke. Thank you. Yes. Uh, I knew the answer. I just wanted to hear it from you because I, I want yeah. people to understand this. There's so It seems like no matter how many times I say this, there are people that are still use this as an excuse and a way to get in their own way of not, yeah. of, I, I don't have any money type thing. So tell us about how you got started and how you went from like literally broke to making millions in real estate. Yeah. So just to quantify too, right? And I tell this story a lot. The very first real estate deal I did was with my parents because there's not many other people out there that are willing to give a 20-something-year-old kid a lot of money and, and stand by them and not asking too many questions. Mm-hmm. And my very first deal, we bombed miserably. I lost, I don't know, $40,000, maybe more oh, wow. of their money. And that is a painful thing to admit to your parents. Like There was literally probably one of the lowest moments in my life was telling them, 
oh, crap, this is what happened, right? Yeah. And really, the key to turning it around from that to where I am now is just realizing that I don't have all the answers, admitting that I need help and that I need systems and that I needed coaching and mentoring, really. And I went out and I sought that coaching and mentoring, and it helped me a lot go from that to now at this point over 30 deals, probably more. I, I lost track at some point in time and making money, right? Right. But the biggest thing that I, I want to outline is so that very first deal, I don't really consider that my first deal only because I had no idea what I was doing, right? I got a bank <laughs> loan. We did a bunch of crap that would just was a terrible idea. But if right. I look at what I would say my true first deal for my business was, here's the truth. We found a local hard money lender. Mm -hmm. And the reason they're called hard money lenders is because when you see their rates, it's like they're punching you in the face really hard, <laughs> <laughs> right? We paid him, and if you're listening, just brace yourselves for this for a second. We paid 15% and five points on oh the loan. Oh my goodness, 15% and five points. Yeah, so 15% <laughs> annualized interest and five points. And I forget, I think we borrowed, oh, I don't know. It wasn't a ton of money for real estate because Buffalo Markets is cheap, but I want to say it was somewhere around maybe 150000 or so, Yeah. which really what that means is that I'm paying, you know, almost two grand a month to this guy just for the right to use his money. Right. Plus, had to pay him $7,500 up front, roughly, to get the money. And at 15% annual, I mean, 2000 bucks a month, how, what percentage of that is interest? Probably a really good that, chunk, right? $2,000 is all interest. $2,000 was all interest. It was like 18 something is what it came out to, right? That's only interest. That doesn't include any principal payments. Wow. Right? So... And here's what I tell people all the time, because I do, I speak to a lot of real estate investors. I'm like, listen, 15% and five points is hard to swallow. That's like, oh my God, like, yeah. are you kidding me? But the deal still made money. Did we make a ton of money? Absolutely not, right? Yeah. I mean, I think we made twelve dollars or $13,000 on this deal, which when you look at an ROI wise, is not stellar mm -hmm. by any means. Mm -hmm. But here's the key, and I think this is where people get hung up too often, is that once that first deal was done, and yes, we made money and, and it wasn't a ton of money, but we didn't make some. Now, all of a sudden, I've got a track record of success. Yeah. doesn't matter if it's only one deal. It's a track record. I've proven that I can do it. So that same guy dropped from the first loan at 15 and five down to 12 and three, I think, on our second loan that we right. used him for, which is much more reasonable. That, that's pretty much standard. Yeah, I was going to say that sounds the reasonable is the exact word I was about yeah. to use. Yeah. It's not good, right. but reasonable, right? right? To, from there to, you know, today, we've got, what, six active houses that we're flipping right now, I believe. Mm. I'd have to look at all of them, but I think three of them are fully funded at 9%, no points and no payments until the, the project's done. Wow. And then the rest are usually between maybe 12 or between 10 and 12% with no points and no payments. So the thing is this, right? I can sit here and you can say, oh my God, well, if I could get 9% money or 10%, even 12% with no points, no payments, sure, I could do this all day long. But the differential is is that here we are six years later, seven, right. or almost, I guess right. almost eight years later now, getting that kind of rate. But we started out borrowing and it hurt, right? It was just like, oh my God, like that first loan was just painful to have to pay that. Mm -hmm. But you get a track record, you prove yourself and money will start coming at you from places you didn't even know was existing from. And the more successful you are, the more deals you do, the cheaper money becomes, which allows you to make more money. It's kind of ironic, right? It's like, I always say it's like credit cards, right? We can 
whenever you have great credit and you're not using your credit cards, they'll be like, here, have more credit, have more credit, have more credit. Right. But the moment you really need it and you use it all up, they're like, whoa, hang on a second. <laughs> same idea, right? It's kind right. of funny. Once you have success, money literally will flow at you at unbelievable places, especially if you become confident in asking for it, which I think is a huge thing really briefly I want to touch on, which is just ask for money. If you want to do real estate deals, ask to borrow money. Start with friends, family, people like that. And the biggest tip that changed my money raising capability uh -huh. was when I stopped asking for money. And I basically, instead, I said, well, I have opportunities. If you're interested, I'll consider allowing you to loan to me. Otherwise, I have other people. Hmm. And as soon as you change that, as soon as you change your wording there a little bit, people are like, what? Like yeah. you, you consider, uh, yeah, here's money. Here's money. Like right. take my money, please. Right. Just it's, going from scarcity to abundance. Like yeah. Yeah. Just switching from scarcity to abundance mindset. Just that one little thing is enough to convince people to give you money for a next deal. And then you have one deal that made some money. Now you have exactly that track record, but there was something that we kind of skipped over Bob in this whole story that I want to touch back on, which is your very first deal, you lost 40 grand of your parents' money, and then there was a second deal after that. So most people at this point, they lost 40 grand of their parents' money, they're not gonna go back to buy another house. So what was the <laughs> mindset that you had that said, you know what, I lost 40 grand here, but what I'm doing wrong is that I didn't spend enough money on learning what to do. <laughs> and so then you borrow money, you lose like a lot of money, and then you're like, hey, let me go spend more money. But I want to bring that out because it's such an important mindset because that exactly right there embodies what long-term thinking really is. So can you kind of talk about what your mindset was back then? Yeah, absolutely. So we finally finished up this house and it took forever to get done and we get there and we realize we're losing money and it also didn't help that all this was going down. So we bought that first house at the end of 2009. Mm -hmm. So if any of you guys were even remotely aware of what's going on in the real estate market at that time, probably the worst possible time to buy a house when you don't have the proper education behind you. And so the mindset was, hold on a second. Yeah, we lost money and that hurt more than anything else, I think because of whose it was. But I said, listen, there can't be all these books on real estate and these TV shows and all these people teaching it and selling coaching and all this. These can't exist unless this actually works, yeah. right? Because if it never, if it doesn't work, they're not going to be around for long enough for this to, you know, they're not going to publish books. There's not going to be TV shows because mm -hmm. it just doesn't work, mm -hmm. right? So I said, this clearly works. The difference then is that if it works and it didn't for me, what's the factor that's wrong? And the factor that was wrong was me, yeah. right? If it mm -hmm. works for everybody else, but not for me, and I'm the only thing different between this, it has to be me. And so I said, I need to find education. I need to get better at learning, whatever it is. I'm a huge believer in educating myself on whatever it is I'm tackling. I want to learn it and I want to know it. And it was at that point in time that long story short, I bought some CDs actually, because at that time I was like, well, what other books or takes whatever? And I bought some CDs and I'm listening to these guys talk and they're like, oh, you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do this. And I'm like, oh my God, I did all those things. If I had <laughs> simply listened to this before yeah. I did this, I wouldn't have done those things. And that was when I was like, you know what? I need to find people like this who get it to just teach me and help me walk through it. Yeah. And you know, it was, Maybe ironic at that point in time that it happened. I don't maybe fate, whatever you want to call it. But there was on Facebook. So this was 2010 mm -hmm. on Facebook. A friend posted a picture 
with some quote, and I don't remember the exact thing, but it, with Michael Jordan basically and him in a bunch of rings. And I'm sure you've probably seen the picture of him Definitely. since then, right? Basically saying even the best people still have a coach telling them where they effed up. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, huh. And so it was that. And to me, the other thing is this, right? I made a promise to myself that I would make sure that I paid back my parents every cent that I lost. And I said, if I quit now, I can go and do my job and save every penny I earn and probably pay them back in four or five years if I really – because I had a good job at that point in time, paid pretty well. Uh-huh. You know, If I scrimp by and just live at the minimum amount of my means and save my money and put my bonus in for – you know, I could probably right. pay them back in four to five years and we'll be fine. Mm. I said – or I could double down and try to get it paid back faster by making more money quicker. And and the risk, you know, there, there's a risk there. And, and I'm inherently a risk taker. Most entrepreneurs are. I said, you know, what if I could pay them back faster by building this and doing it the right way? And that's the route I chose because really at the end of the day, I didn't want to live at a mediocre means yeah. to pay them back and right. have to take that many years. That just felt wrong mm-hmm. somehow to me. And so you know, my mindset was, let me get them there faster. Let me just figure out how do I get them there faster? What's the quickest way to the end? And the quickest way to any successful result is to copy the people who are already doing it and just do what they did. Yeah. <laughs> right? Right. right. So that's what I did. Do you think that your high tolerance of taking a risk is something that's just completely natural to you? Or was it something that you kind of just like looked at all the factors that were contributing to this? And then from that point, you just made a decision that was based in logic, but also taking a risk. Because I feel like there's a lot of people who are listening to this right now that might just be like, hey, look, that's awesome that you did that. But for me, I have like zero risk tolerance. So when you made that decision, I would have been the one to like still be paying off my parents after five years of working at my job and skipping by and all that kind of stuff. So if you're talking to somebody like that, who just feels like they're not a risk taker, was there any like logic to that that helped you overcome some of the possible negative outcomes? There was some logic, but I'll also say this and You know, I've maybe been criticized in the past for this thinking, but it's what I believe and I'm going to stand by it. If you have zero risk tolerance, then don't be an entrepreneur. It's as simple as that. Because, listen, being an entrepreneur is a risk. There is at zero points in time and you're starting a business, will there be a point where you never have any risk? And if there is, then you're probably not really growing a business. Hmm. Not really. Yeah. And so I would say just don't do it. Just be an employee and just be the best possible employee you can. Right. And maybe what that means for you is finding a more entrepreneurial type company. Go find a startup or something like that where you don't have to take on the risk necessarily, mm-hmm. but you can still feel like you're attached to or a part of something that's more entrepreneurial than a Fortune 500 company that's already well established with systems and you know procedures and, and all that stuff, right? Yeah. But with that said – To me, the logic really came down to, all right, well, listen, if I decide to go the the safe route and pay back my parents over time with what I can save and scrimp by on my job, what happens if I lose my job? Yeah, right. You know, and I have no control over that, right? Mm -hmm. So, and especially at the time that this is happening, right? So this is 2010. My old job, the easiest way to put it was I used to hack into banks. So we would test their security systems, their security protocols all of their internet and web-based functionality to see what they're doing, how they're not doing it, right? Mm. And it was a great job. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed the company that I work for, but it wasn't my company. I had no control over my job, mm-hmm. and my job was controlled by other companies. So you've got a time when banks are being hammered 
and just losing money left and right. That's why we had to bail out and all of that. Yeah. And here I am doing work that while required by regulation is going to be cut to the minimum bare bones possible that they only have to do because they don't have a lot of extra money to spend. And I'm sitting there going, well, if that's my client and my mm-hmm. clients don't have money to spend and I only get paid when we have clients, what's going to happen if I don't have a job? And, and yeah. I saw my company, which was maybe about 5,000 employees, drop off like 11 or 1,200 people over wow. the course of like two years. And, you know, I'm sitting here going, I may not be able, you know what I mean? Like right. it's noble of me to sit here and say, I'm going to do this. But if I don't have any money, like, you know, if it comes back to paying my parents back or me eating, well, I'm, I'm probably going to choose me eating because right. I can't pay them back if I'm, if I'm not eating, exactly. right? Exactly. So the bigger risk to me was to not have control of my financial future. Yeah. That was a bigger, that to me, that was a bigger risk. And that's why I chose it. So for me, that was the logic pattern in that. Yeah. Perfect, perfect answer, man. I couldn't answer that any better. So that's exactly kind of what I was looking for. I think that it comes from that, like your risk tolerance comes from that, realizing that really any decision you make has risk to it. And whatever path you choose, there's definitely some downside either way. But one way, I'm in control of it. And one way, I'm not in control of it. And I think that people who have a higher risk tolerance have more of an innate belief in themselves than they do in a quote-unquote system or job or employer, if that makes sense. But um, but yeah, fantastic, fantastic answer on that. Let's go ahead and switch the conversation and chat a little bit about networking. This is Build Your Network, where we talk about how to build professional relationships in life. And Bob, I know that you're a pro at this, so I'm excited to get into this with you. The first question, the one I always ask to get the conversation going is this. Do you believe that what you know or who you know is more important and why? I 100% believe who you know is more important. And the reason why it comes back to a fun story I had, which is in high school, in my hometown of Lockport, New York, little tiny town that you probably never, all of you listening, probably never heard of because it's only about 25,000 people maybe. There was a big factory in the town. And when I was in high school, that factory employed a pretty good chunk of the town. And they used to make radiators for GM for their cars, right? Mm-hmm. That's all it was. It's a factory. Well, we all know what happened to most factory jobs, right? They start going away. But that's not the point of the story. The point is this. In high school, they had a, a work program whereby they selected a handful of, quote, unquote, exceptional students who would come and spend two days instead of at school with sort of on-the-job training with management, not necessarily as a factory worker, but like seeing management and how business really works. Yeah. I mean, the idea being that, hey, if you have this experience, when you go to college and eventually go to get a job, that's going to help you stand out from other people. Right. And I was like, this makes total sense. I love it. Right. And so I absolutely applied and, and went through the interviewing process and I did not get selected. And I was really upset about this. And when I found out who got selected, There was only six people out of our entire class that got selected in our class was, I don't know, 375, 400 people, something like that. So not very many. Right. Every single one of the six who got selected had a parent who worked at the factory. (laughs) And I was like, are you kidding me? And most of the people, most of those six, not all of them, but probably four or five of those six. I don't know how else to put this, but they were less academically inclined. Underqualified. 
Yeah, they were definitely not the quote unquote exceptional students. Right. You know, right. not to say they were bad students. They, right, they're no, they're not dumb kids. But I know I, I had better grades. I had more activities. Mm-hmm. I was more qualified than they were yeah. to be in this program. But neither one of my parents worked there. And so it was at that moment in my life that it became abundantly clear to me that it doesn't matter how qualified you are, how good you are. It's all about who you know. Now, obviously, what you know and how much you know comes into place. If I know the best people in the world and they put me in place and all of a sudden I blow things up for them, well, who I know is not going to save me forever. But who I know right, gets me right. in the door. And if I have enough skills to do a good job and make them look good, it won't matter if someone else is more qualified, mm-hmm. all that matters is that I made that person look good because they were the ones that stepped up for me, put a word in for me or whatever. So 100% who you know, and I think forming relationships with the right people will always pay off in the long run. Even if that relationship is not something that you can capitalize on right now, maintaining it and being able to plug them into other people you know down the road will come back to you a hundredfold easily. Yeah, yeah. And then the thing that I always try to put in that conversation as well is that it is important what you know. And if you're actually good, if you're an expert, if you can produce when you're put into situations by people that you know. But what I've found is my what, the knowledge that I have, is always exponentially growing when I'm around people, when I'm around the who, like when I have a mentor that can tell me what to do, how to do it, and all these different things. Like I could probably take a hundred online courses and pay a lot of money for that kind of stuff and still not get the same amount of practical knowledge that I could if I just spent time with somebody who's already doing that thing and just learn from them on a daily basis. Just inevitably will raise your level to their level over a period of time if you just hang out with those people. And that's why I always say it's who you know, because I do believe that both are very, very important and that you should be always working on your skill sets and working on the ability to be able to capitalize on an opportunity that someone that you know puts you in touch with. But I've always found that my what increases exponentially because of my who. So you just told us a story, so I won't make you go through another story about about why you believe mm-hmm. that. I want to ask you this too, Bob. Throughout your career to this point, how important, how crucial have, have mentorships and masterminds and stuff like that been for you? Wow, that's a great question. and it's, I like that question, actually. I feel like people don't ever ask that, so I love it. They are everything. Mm-hmm. So let's just, another quick story, actually, that ties into this. The only reason I'm sitting here talking with you right now is because I joined a mastermind. In that mastermind, my good friend Nicholas Barely was there. We connected, I've done a bunch of business together. He's helped me, I've helped him, and he connected me with you mm-hmm. to get me here, right? So I wouldn't be here right now even having the opportunity to share with you and your audience unless I had joined a mastermind. Right. And so I, I think that's critical. I think that being around the right people, and here's one thing I'll share. When it comes to masterminds and mentorships and things like that, realistically, I think you need to have three things. You need to be part of a mastermind, if not more. You need to have a mentor and you need to have a coach. And they're three very different things, right? Your mentor is a person that you can go to and talk to and ask for advice. They're not charging you. They just want to see you do better. So, for example, I have a good mentor. He's an older gentleman who's been around the block a lot of times, started a lot of very successful businesses. And for him, it's all about living vicariously through that startup again. He doesn't want to be doing a startup, but he loves being able to see someone else who is, who did what he did and and provide the direction and advice and, and help and support to get that person to be successful. Yeah, yeah. 
On the second side, you've got a coach. A coach is someone that I pay to help me with a specific thing. So, for example, Nicholas, who connected us, Nicholas Barely is my health coach. He's helped me get in shape, just put my mindset right when it comes to health and wellness in my body, among many other coaches I have. But I pay him for specific advice in a specific area. And I've seen a lot of growth in that area, the areas that I have coaches in, just like that. And then your mastermind is like you said before, just to be around people who push you to the next level. So one of the masterminds I'm in, I'll be straight with you. It's a stretch for me to be able to afford to be in there. And a lot of the folks that are in there can probably write the check and have it clear tomorrow with no problem. Whereas I'm sitting there going, uh, here's my credit card for <laughs> yeah. the next 12 months. Right. <laughs> I'll, I'll figure it out, right? But but being around the people like that has pushed me and helped me and I've created some amazing relationships. And even though I'm going to honestly say dollar for dollar wise, I probably haven't gotten back the dollars that mm. I've put into that mastermind. Mm. And this is my second year of doing it. I absolutely have gotten relationships and connections and the ability to tap into a group that when I need help is going to be there for me. And that even though it's not a quantifiable amount is worth to me what I've paid for the mastermind, if not a whole lot more. Why do you think that a lot of people don't do these kind of things, Bob? Like, do you think it's literally just like naivety? Like they just don't know that these things exist or is it like a fear that they're afraid they won't see that money again? Like, what do you think is like the number one reason people don't spend money on these kinds of things? I think it's two reasons. I think a lot, number one is not knowing. There's a lot of entrepreneurs. So when I do my events, right, uh, there's a story I like to tell about a, a friend of mine that was in a mastermind. And I don't need to tell the whole story now because it's not relevant to this context. But the first few times I started telling the story, probably 30% of the room, which is new entrepreneurs more often than not, stopped me and said, what's a mastermind? And I'm like, oh, you don't know what that is? And at first I was dumbstruck. I was like, how do you not know what a mastermind is? And then I started realizing, I was like, the only reason I know is because I'm around entrepreneurs that talk about masterminds. Mm. If I were to ask my people who had jobs before this what a mastermind was, they wouldn't know because jobs don't talk about masterminds. They don't encourage you to go to those kinds of things. Yeah. They, or if they do, they, they don't. They're conferences. They're not really masterminds. Right? It's a different terminology. So I think a lot of it is that people don't know they exist. So if you don't know, maybe you don't. So let's just maybe just define real quick. Right? A mastermind for any of you listening right now is when a group of people to get together with some sort of purpose and usually in helping each other. So it could be a mastermind of people who are in your same business, who do the same thing, who share the same passion, whatever it is that the what it is is not important. It's just a group of people coming together to help each other grow their businesses with their knowledge, advice and connections. Hmm. So I think a lot of people just don't know what it is. But number two, it's a scarcity mindset, in my opinion. If I spend $25,000 on a mastermind, which is what that one that I joined cost, mm -hmm. if I spend $25,000 on a mastermind, holy crap, that's a lot of money right now. I can't afford that. And what I would challenge you is to stop your thinking and say, instead of saying, I can't afford that, instead say, I just spent $25,000. How am I going to pay for it? And one of the things that I found for myself to always be true is if I drop down 25K, you better freaking believe I'm going to figure out how to get 25K or more back out of whatever I just spent my money on. Right. And I don't know how. I don't know what that's going to look like. And it may not necessarily be dollars. It might be relationship capital. It might mm -hmm. be oh, yeah. favors. It might be knowledge and advice. <clears throat> Who knows, right? But I know that at the time that I will get that money out somehow because if yeah. I don't, I'm going to be pissed at myself. So let me ask you a quick question here, Bob. What kind of car do you drive? <laughs> I drive a 2010 Ford Edge base model, no frills, no things. I bought it used and it cost me 300 bucks a month. 
Thank you. Okay, so <laughs> huge lesson here for people listening. Bob has spent $25,000 last year, $25,000 this year on a mastermind that he is stretching himself to be a part of, and he drives a Ford Edge. Actually, the mastermind costs more than my car. Yeah that's, that. yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, You've spent a lot. Like, I think that some people get in this mindset that people who spend $25,000 on a mastermind are the people driving a Maserati. Like they have extra money to spend, you know, like, well, people spending 25 grand on a mastermind. That's like me spending 50 bucks, you know, like that's not what this is. Like masterminds are not about that. It's a way to up level yourself. So Bob is now in a mastermind with a bunch of other people that can easily afford to drop 25 K on a mastermind. And some of them will be stretching themselves like Bob, but some of them will just be like, hey, this is, you know, not that much to me as just like connecting with like-minded people. And now he gets to go to that group of people and learn from them and up-level himself. But that's why I wanted to ask that, Bob, because I, I think too many people view this as an expense instead of an investment. And it's the Absolutely. absolute wrong way to look at it. So they'll go spend 40 grand on a car or a truck or a souped up Mustang or whatever. But then, you know, it's like, hey, this mastermind is... A thousand bucks and they're like, whoa, a thousand dollars just to spend time with people? That doesn't make any sense. And it's like, <laughs> no, 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 like you just wasted forty thousand dollars. Like you'll never see that. I can guarantee you'll never see that money again. Like maybe forty percent of it if you sell in a couple of years. Like maybe you'll yeah. see forty percent of that money again. So and, like and one, this one thing way, I want an investment. It, it's there's it's going to come back some way if you actually take it seriously and go get some results. But go ahead. Yeah. The one thing I want to add to though is is for any of you guys listen, I think that's a great lesson. And it's funny you brought that up. It's just, yeah, you know, I've spent more. So in 2017, I spent probably about $75,000 on masterminds and groups and things like that. Now, the one thing I will say to be careful of on the reverse side of this is going crazy. Hmm. If I look back now, I didn't need to spend $75,000 on all the things that I did. And that's, it's insane that I did. It really is actually. Mm -hmm. But I know that I'll get my money's worth. There's no problem about that. Like mm -hmm. I'll figure out how to maximize what I did. But just be careful. You can go on the extreme side. The extreme side being I'm not going to join any because I don't see the value. The extreme side going I'm going to join all of the masterminds, right? right. And, and, <laughs> and all of a sudden you, you shoot yourself in your own foot by right. crippling yourself capital-wise by doing that. So mm -hmm. this is not to say that you shouldn't do this, but also just pick two or three. Realistically, if I had spent 25 to one was 25. So that one and maybe one other one for like another 10 or 15,000. And, you know, been in like that 35 to 40 range, that probably would have been the most ideal for what you can really handle in intake and, mm -hmm. and, and all that in, in yeah. a year. And it's not to say that, Hey, that's the amount of money you need to spend. Right. And by the way, guys, I am absolutely not advocating that you need to go find a $25,000 mastermind and that's the only one you should join, right? right. The first right. mastermind I joined, I think was two or three grand. Mm -hmm. And for me at the time, that was a stretch. It was like, oh my God, that's a lot of money to spend on this, but I'll figure it out, right? And you get yourself around the right people and you'll get higher and higher as you make more money. It doesn't matter, right? Mm -hmm. I can make a million dollars in 2018. If that's the case, I'll probably go find a $100,000 mastermind to join right. because right. that's the next level, right? But that's okay. You're always gonna be, as long as you're moving upwards, you're doing the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. So much awesome stuff today, Bob. I'm sure we could keep chatting about this for a really, really long time, but we are running out of time. So we've got to move on to something I like to call the random round. Just a few really quick random questions with some quick random answers. You ready? Let's do it. This is the random round. What profession other than your own do you think it would be fun to attempt? Teaching. If you could sit on a park bench with someone past or present and talk to them for an hour, who would it be and why? I would sit with Winston Churchill. And I would sit with him just because I want to know what was his mindset to be a leader in what could possibly be considered the worst possible 
time to be a leader in the worst possible place and the worst possible situation and yet still come out as a hero even during that time. I would love to know how did he get himself through that? How do you like to consume content? Books, blogs, podcasts? Videos and audiobooks. Audiobooks. Gotcha. What's one of your favorite audiobooks you've listened to recently? Ooh, I don't know. I've listened to so many. The one I would tell everyone to listen to is a book called Mindset, The New Psychology of Success by Carol Dweck, D-W-E-C-K. Probably my number two all-time favorite business book. What's number one? Number one is Four Hour Work Week by Tim Ferriss. There you go. Hands down. <laughs> Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. Ooh, I'm probably a, the worst person to ask about that. I don't have a morning <laughs> routine. My morning routine is I wake up when I wake up. I immediately check my phone, which is what everyone says you're not supposed to do. <laughs> and I do that because my girlfriend lives three time zones away right now. And uh, I want to see if she messaged me late at night, first thing in the morning so I can talk to her. And then I get up, I get ready, I make some tea. And I just start working. I don't know. It's, it's probably I'm that guy that's like, everyone's like, Oh, I got a morning routine. I'm like, I don't. I just <laughs> I get going. Sometimes I journal. I try to journal and just say, hey, here's what mm -hmm. I want to be intentional about today and or be grateful for or right. what I am grateful for. But even that, I'm not regular about that. So maybe not the best person to ask for that. <laughs> <laughs> what is your go-to pump-up song? Ooh, go-to pump-up song? Anything by Kesha. What are you not <laughs> very good at? I am not very good at saying no. I want to do everything all the time. And as we get everything wrapped up here, Bob, what is one place online where we'll be able to find you the most? The best place to start is to head to my book site, which is outofyourwaybook.com. And you can find, once you go there, you can find my book and get a hold of any, get a hold of me any which way. If you Google Bob McIntosh, you're only going to find two people. One is me. The other guy is, is a guy who got killed in a Lifetime movie. So it's not that guy, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Perfect. Perfect. So outofyourwaybook.com, go over there, get a copy of Bob's book. If it's something that you're running into, and even if it's not, maybe you just don't realize that it is. And maybe he'll bring something out in that book that will really help you to be able to tackle some obstacles that you're facing in your business. Bob, thanks so much for coming to the show today, man. I had a blast chatting with you. I had a blast being here as well. Thank you guys. And for all of you listening, appreciate you being on too. That's all for this episode of Build Your Network. Your next step is to visit byn.media slash FB to join in on our Facebook group for more personal engagement, proven strategies and tactics to reach your ultimate goals. That's byn.media forward slash FB. Remember, you're only one connection away. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.